Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the SB Nation NFL Show, a very different episode of the SB Nation NFL Show. Today is Friday, January 27th, 2023. And I want to take this opportunity to remind you that this show is presented to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only a DraftKings Sportsbook. If you are new to the show, we talk about the NFL. We preview the games that are to come. There are only two games this weekend as it is conference championship weekend. And there are only two of us here. My name is RJ Ochoa from SB Nation's blog of the boys. His name is Steven Serta from SB Nation's Arrowhead Pride. Steven, happy Friday to you, my friend. RJ, uh, I'm very excited for Sunday championship weekend. Uh, I'm really nervous and stressed out and I want the Chiefs to win. I don't know how I feel about it, but I'm hoping for the best this weekend. Hoping for entertaining football at the very least. See, I don't buy that you're stressed out because you're, you know, Mr. Like I'm, you know, I'm Rob Lowe with the NFL hat. Like <laughs> I don't have a team. Um, so you don't get a, you know, you don't have the right to, to tell us that you're stressed out. Um, it's going to be a fun weekend. Hopefully it does feel like these are the best four teams left. I say that, um, you know, in a very bitter way with uh, my Dallas Cowboys being knocked out last week in the divisional round of the playoffs. Um, so we're going to get to the conference championship games. We're going to do our pick three and our single game parlay and our locks of the week, all that stuff. Uh, before we do, Steven, um, we did not have a show last week. Obviously uh, it was a very difficult day for us um, and, and for lots of our coworkers. Um, and so we don't have a lot to offer. We talked about this on Monday, um, but this show was really built in the image of Rob Stats Guerrera, and we miss him a lot, and uh, we wish him nothing but the best. Um, Stats is a great friend of ours and somebody who does a lot of great work. Yeah, um, it, it's it, it's hard to even explain how important he was to everything that we do here, uh, especially on the SB Nation NFL show. And, you know, I, I'm stepping in and I'm not going to fill his shoes by any means. Uh, I, I think Stats is a legend and uh, he's going to do a lot of great stuff uh, moving forward. So I'm excited to see where he goes from here. But uh, I'll do my best to step in and fill his shoes today. We're rooting for Stats in every way, shape or form. Um, he's on every level of media that you can find at Stats on Fire. Um, so please do support him. Um, Brandon Gowton is a part of our show, but... We don't know where he is, actually, at the moment. We hope all is well with him. Um, but so as a result, Stephen and I, we actually sat here for about an hour, kind of just talking, um, waiting yeah. for, for BLG. Uh, and we just figured, like, hey, let's get this off the ground. Maybe he's afraid, uh, you know, Stephen, because um, he's afraid that the Eagles are going to lose. Who knows? Are you That's afraid for the Eagles? Um, no, I actually picked the Eagles this week. Mm. I, I'm actually pretty confident in the Eagles. And I know... We'll get into it. Uh, San Francisco is really talented, but uh, I'm buying his Eagles this week. So I don't think he should be scared there. Uh, we did spend the better part of the last hour just talking about movies and TV shows. So maybe he's just lost in a binge watch right now. Mm. Um, well, we should uh, mention something movie related since we did talk about it for an hour. Uh, what would you recommend to people that they watch, whether it be like on net? Because, you know, we don't have Saturday football for the first time in a while. Like you have some free time. Yeah. You can spend it with your family if you want, but um, you could also choose to watch the thing. I recommended to you Breakpoint, the Netflix show chronicling all of the tennis players. So that would be my, my recommendation. Uh, well, it's Oscar season, so mm. you should definitely watch some of the Best Picture nominees. Um, I think The Fableman, Steven Spielberg's new movie, is fantastic. If you haven't seen Everything Everywhere all at once, you should absolutely watch that. It's one of the most unique movies you're going to see uh, at any time. 
And I also really enjoyed Tar. Uh, it's a little bit more of a heavy watch, but it, it is a fantastic movie if you're just an enjoyer of things like that. I have yet to watch everything anywhere all at once, um, but I am able to. You know why. Um, I won't get into that. Um, but so maybe I do that this weekend um, on Saturday. Who knows? I thought you were going to suggest Fringe. I really thought you were going to go there. Um, that's a little bit more of an inside joke. But, you know, <laughs> that, yeah, that's that's my thing. Uh, I think that's too obscure to ask everyone else to, to check it out. But it is available on HBO Max. If you're into sci-fi, Fringe, I cannot recommend highly enough. HBO Max, not a sponsor uh, of the SP Nation NFL show, but just a, a platform that Steven uses uh, in his own personal life. Um, okay, Steven, we're going to get to the conference championship games, but because there are only two games, um, there's not a whole lot of meat on the like preview bone, um, you know, sort of section of this show. We do have a few, you know, kind of news, notes, nuggets, things to touch on as it relates to the NFL. So we're going to start there. Uh, the big news came on Thursday, the first domino following, or following, falling in the NFL as far as head coaching uh, candidates and vacancies being filled are concerned. The newest head coach in the NFL, Frank Reich, also one of the more recent head coaches in the NFL, um, is moving from Indianapolis to Charlotte to take over the Carolina Panthers, the team that he was once upon a time the quarterback for. Uh, so Frank Reich, the latest um, kind of retread option in the NFL. I like Frank Reich. I, I think that he <laughs> is a good coach. <laughs> um, I, I'm excited that he's getting another opportunity because I don't think that the way things ended in Indianapolis, in Indianapolis was, was fair at all for him. Um, he was not dealt a good hand in Indy. Uh, Jim Mercer leaned really heavily into Chris Ballard and, and saying, like, this is Chris Ballard's show and – Chris Ballard fumbled everything. And for some reason, Chris Ballard is still there, even though he's been an average at best NFL GM. So I think Frank Wright could have an opportunity to turn things around there in Carolina. It's just all going to come down to what they do with the quarterback situation. And I feel like he just came from Indy where it was just like retread after retread after retread at quarterback. And I feel like Carolina has all the makings of like, we're going to go get Derek Carr this off season and it's just going to be a repeat. Like I, I like Frank Reich. I think he's going to be a good coach, but I feel like it's might be the same situation in Carolina that it was in Indy in some ways. You brought up Derek Carr, uh, but Steven, what if the commanders cut Carson Wentz? I mean, like, <laughs> you know, like who's to say that doesn't happen. I mean, I'm with you. Like I can, I can logically justify the move if you're the Panthers, right? Like, and David Tepper wants like stability and like well-known commodities and things like that. But like, it is kind of like, you know, blah, right? Like it is kind of like we were talking IMDb stuff. It's like a 7.0, you know, rating uh, for a movie, like on IMDb. It's like, ah, uh, you know, like, yeah, I mean, if I have some time, but like, you know, like everything anywhere all at once is like, a, I don't know it's like a 9.1 or something like that. Like it's, it's rated incredibly high. Like this doesn't like have that feel or that vibe to me, but it does kind of feel like a down cycle for, for, you know, head coach options. Like, like who's the one, like if you're a team, if you're the Broncos or the Cardinals or the Texans, like who's the like sexy option that you're hoping your team gets. I don't think there is one. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel like I still think that D'Amico Ryan should be at the top of everybody's mm. list. And, you know, he's been getting plenty of interviews. Um, I think what he's done with San Francisco the last couple of years, like you're going to be hard pressed to find a defensive coordinator who's had that much success. And especially with the personnel that they were playing with, like last season specifically, I know they've got better players this year and they've managed to stay a little bit healthier uh, on that defensive side of the ball. But I think he would be the guy that I would be really interested in. It does feel like, everybody after watching what Jacksonville did, like it kind of feels like everybody fumbled the bag on Doug Peterson, like just letting mm -hmm. him sit on the shelf for a year and then, and just walking into Jacksonville and being like, I want control of everything and I'm going to turn Trevor Lawrence around and he's already done it. And I just feel like he was kind of, kind of like Mike McCarthy and you know, whether you I was going to say, McCarthy or, or you. Not, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think Doug Pearson's a, a better head coach personally, but um it, it does feel like there could be some of that where, yeah, maybe there's not necessarily like the, this super hot young offensive coordinator or something like that. But I think Frank Reich is a good coach and could find some success in Carolina. They've got some pieces there. They've got the ninth overall pick in this year's draft. So they can add to it. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to be a quick turnaround there. They still got a lot of question marks, but I, I have faith in Frank Reich. I still think he's a good head coach. It is very interesting, by the way, seeing the narrative of the former Super Bowl winning head coach, Doug Peterson, guiding the Jacksonville Jaguars to a home 
you know, playoff win and, you know, divisional round loss versus Mike McCarthy, you know, doing the same sort of thing. And granted, it's a second or third season with the Cowboys, but um, getting a road playoff win and losing in the division around to the aforementioned D'Amico Ryans. But, you know, hey, whatever. No big deal. Um, just kind of is what it is. I'm not here to talk about Mike McCarthy. But on the subject of that, I agree with everything you said about Frank Reich. And I'm, you know, I'm not like in on Sam Darnold, but I'm I'm less out on him with Frank Reich kind of working with him. But to your point earlier, I don't want to see the Sam Darnold retread, like give Frank Reich something new to work with. Um, as it relates to Mike McCarthy and to every vacancy in the NFL, the four pending ones, um, the Cowboys picked up a uh, boost of positive news for the first time since Sunday night on Thursday afternoon, Stephen, when it was announced that Dan Quinn is going to be returning to the Dallas Cowboys to be their defensive coordinator in 2023. It will be his third season with the team, obviously the fourth under Mike McCarthy. Quinn interviewed with the Arizona Cardinals, with the Indianapolis Colts, and with the Denver Broncos, he was thought to be a finalist for the Broncos job last year. Obviously, that went to Nathaniel Hackett, who we can touch on in a moment. Um, and, you know, with them being a, a team that had an opening again this year, it kind of felt inevitable. Uh, but Dan Quinn sticking around. It does make you wonder if if like the like we talked about, like maybe the options aren't that sexy for teams like the teams aren't that sexy of options for the candidates. Yeah, um, that's the big thing here. And like the reason I think Denver you would think you could talk yourself into that. Like if you're an NFL head coach or, or coordinator or something like you could be like, well, I'm not as bad as Nathaniel Hackett. Like I can, I can get more out of Russell Wilson and those weapons and stuff. Cause the, I mean that the whole roster is basically coming back next season. Uh, but they gave Russell Wilson a bunch of money. They don't have a lot of draft picks. And I think when you're trying to come in and turn things around as a new NFL head coach, that's something that's really important. Like, you want to be able to draft and develop guys and, and turn things around. And when you don't have draft assets, you're like, well, why would I want to do that? Like there's a case to be made that Houston is a more attractive job sure. than Denver is right now with the draft capital that they have. And, and you're going to go in there and, you know, hopefully be able to turn things around. Now they've got the ownership issues, which is why I think uh, a lot of people are just like, no, I don't, I don't want to mess with Houston, but I would it, like, if I was, interviewing for head coaching positions i talk myself into the houston texans over the denver broncos right now and i don't think it's really that close i think that's fair and i think if you're one of the more seemingly power hungry um candidates like sean payton seems to be um houston makes sense right like you've talked about ownership issues like if there's a place where you can show up and be like the kingpin you know type guy uh houston's that like like denver has a I wouldn't say stable general manager, but they have like a general manager that would be an impediment to you if you wanted to accomplish anything. Like that's like Houston's thing. Like come in, be our head coach, run the whole show. Um, and then, you know, peace and get out of town and we'll blame it on somebody else. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. It, it's just, I don't know, man. It's some of the, these are bad jobs. Like this is one of the worst uh, job cycles. We That's what I'm saying. Like, like there's like, every, every single one of them you can point to and be like, uh, like, is it really a better situation? Like it's more money and I'm a head coach, but like I could just go back there and win maybe, and then try my hand again later on down the line. Um, Sean Payton, um, I think it was on the herd sort of intimated that Houston would be like a nice option. Cause like the path to winning the division is somewhat easy and friendly, right? You know, like, you know, Indianapolis in a tough spot, Tennessee kind of looks to be maybe rebuilding this off season. Um, San Francisco exists and so I'm not trying to say like this would be easy but like it is amazing that there isn't a line of people wanting to work with Kyler Murray in Arizona yeah it's I, I just think that they're looking at the whole situation they're like Kyler seems like he's so unhappy and then you know what Arizona did like over the last few years like drafting Josh Rosen and then they get credit for like moving off of him because he was obviously a terrible NFL quarterback and going to Kyler Murray and you know, spreading all that money around, we were sitting here like, what is Arizona doing? Like, there's no evidence here to say that this is how they should be uh, reacting to everything and how they should be spending. And then it totally blew up. But yeah, that's surprising because Kyler is still a good NFL quarterback. Like, you know, d despite his faults as a player and, you know, he gets banged up and he's uh, a small NFL quarterback. Like he has shown that he can be a solid NFL starting quarterback and that he can elevate the guys around him in some way. So I am surprised there. And I haven't really had a chance to talk about this on this show, 
But I am so with you on Sean Payton and the scummy way he's That's gone right. about this coaching search or him him selling himself for a new job. Like it's just been gross. And he's totally, I feel like breaking unwritten rules amongst coaches and and just being kind of scummy about the whole process and, and totally disregarding like relationships that he might have with some of these guys because one thing we know about NFL coaching candidates is like all of these guys have worked together at some point or another over the last 25 years of their career. Earlier this week, um, Micah Parsons had a, a tweet that some people kind of took out of context um, and took it to be, be about Dak. He, he noted how all of the quarterbacks playing this weekend are on their rookie contract. And, and so like all the people are like, oh, so you're saying Dak's making too much money, right? Like, you know, whatever. Um, and that was not the only tweet that was like made a, to be a big deal about Dak Prescott this week because everybody saw the Cowboys team account one. Um, but um, Micah had a follow up tweet where he was like, look, like, don't make this about that, whatever. And he said, like, you never count another man's pockets like, you know, which is, again, kind of like an unwritten rule, like you're saying. And like it is like you use the word scummy. It is super lame the way Sean Payton's gone about this and the way he's like leaked his like interest. I look. The Chargers deserved all the blame in the world for blowing a 27-point lead, but I felt on a human level for, for Brandon Staley that he had to deal with all the Sean Payton stuff. Like, that is so unfair to him, given – I'm not the biggest Brandon Staley fan, but, like, given the things he's accomplished. Like, people act like Sean Payton walks on water, and I'm not going to tell you – I don't think you are either – that he's, like, a, a bad head NFL head coach, I and mean, he's obviously a very good one, but, like, I, I'm going to be so annoyed when he doesn't take a job this cycle – and then I have to deal with this for another year at Blogging the Boys, and the Chargers have to deal with it for another year. Like, it is going to be very, very frustrating. It's, I, I feel like some of the teams that have kind of moved off interest in Sean Payton are because they're like, we're just not going to give up a, a draft pick. Like, we're right. not going to give up a first round pick. And you know, the Broncos don't have draft capital anyway. So it seems like they're just kind of out of the running on Sean Payton. But, yeah, it's it's been kind of hard to watch, and, and it makes me think less of him as a coach, especially for a guy like I understand that he's got a Super Bowl and he is a good head coach, but he's really fumbled his playoff appearances since that Super Bowl win. And there's lots of reasons to think like, oh, he might just be another like NFL retread coach who kind of bounces around and will have success and get you into the postseason, but might, might not actually get you a, a ring or anything like that. I also want to ask you about the charger situation because you mentioned brandon staley it's i'm trying to think of another situation where they fired like their entire assistant mm -hmm. coaching staff but kept the head coach and like it still worked out in the long run like is there an example that you have of that where it's actually been a successful move by the team um i don't know of a precedent off the top of my head um but i can tell you like I mean, in my neighborhood, the Cowboys moved on from, they didn't fire their staffers. There were six staffers whose contracts they didn't renew. Um, I think it's just, you're, you're just at that spot, right? Like, you, like there has to be change. Like the water has to escape somewhere. You know what I'm saying? And like, I like it's, if you're, a, if you're the chargers, like if you're the Spanos is like, it's impossible to justify moving on from Ben and Staley, right? Like it's, yeah. you're not moving on from Justin Herbert, right? Like those are the like immediate points people go to like the coach and the quarterback. So like you have to move on from somebody somehow, somewhere you have to like, somebody has to take the fall for what happened. And so like, that's just the most logical place for, for the water to escape. If that makes well, sense. And in all fairness to Brandon Staley, the chargers defense at the end of the season was playing really well. And that's his thing. Like that's what he was brought in to do. They dealt with a, a ton of injuries, especially on that side of the ball all season. So they weren't really as good as people thought they were going to be early on in the preseason, but he really turned them around late in the year and they were playing really well on that side of the ball. And Everybody could point to their offensive scheme and be like, your offensive coordinator is terrible. So mm -hmm. they should have fired him last year. The fact that he was basically just handcuffing Justin Herbert is kind of unforgivable, but at least they did that. Like, I, I still think Brandon Staley, if he makes the right decisions, if they bring in the right guys, like I, I you have Justin Herbert, like the Chargers could still wind up being a really good team. Um, last bit of coaching news is my dog barks in the background it's mail time here at our house um we touched on him you mentioned his name first nathaniel hackett is the new offensive coordinator for the new york jets um the jets do play the broncos next season by the way the panthers also play the Colts. so uh hackett and reich will both get like their revenge game moments um uh, but hackett's arrival in new york only you know serves to stir the pot that they're going to be the team that trades for aaron Rodgers. like I was talking to Justice about this. Uh, he recorded with me over at BTB this week to talk about Dak Prescott. But it's amazing, Stephen, the like parallels that are we are literally seeing unfold 
with Favre and Rodgers, like maybe both being traded to the Jets. Like we had the Jordan Love moment coming in this past season, et cetera, et cetera. Like it is spooky how history is sort of repeating itself this way. If Aaron Rodgers actually goes to the Jets, it's interesting. They've got young pieces offensively. Their defense has a chance to be like an elite defensive unit next season, in my opinion. And they've got Garrett Wilson, who looks like a young, uber-talented wide receiver. And then Brees Hall, if he comes back and healthy. Like Prior to his ACL tear, Brees Hall looked like, Oh, that guy's yeah. not just like in conversation for offensive rookie of the year. That guy's in conversation for like, that might be one of the most dynamic running backs in football. And so it's interesting. I just, I, I, I was younger during the Brett Favre stuff, but you were I younger 15 years ago, what into, a shock into the <laughs> NFL, like not in the way that I am now to where I, you know, consume every instant uh, of NFL news throughout the entire day. But I, I and this was really before I was on social media and stuff. So I don't really remember how this whole process went, but I imagine it's pretty similar. And I'm just tired of Aaron Rodgers. Like I'm tired of all of this. Like the Packers should trade him, in my opinion, because you can't just continue to let this dude hold you hostage every single season. And it feels like he's going to do that until he decides to hang it up or you decide to just move on from him. I agree with everything that you said. And I think every like, I don't think even the like, there will be the like low hanging fruit from like national perspectives, like, you know, like in the middle of like March, like what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. But, but I do think everyone's like, okay, like, let us know, you know, <laughs> like we're good. We got it. We we're more interested in Derek Carr at this point, like where he's going to wind up. Like, Cause like, this is at least new. Um, I just on the subject, cause you said you're older. I hate Steve when people say like, you know, well, he's not getting any younger. Who is like, I like, who's the person who's getting younger or when people be like, like when someone will be like, old, uh, like it's a fleeting moment. All moments are fleeting. Like they fleet at the exact same pace. Like no <laughs> moment fleets faster than another. You know what I'm saying? Do you remember fleets, by the way, on Twitter? Uh, what was that? What was fleets? I, I, I have a vague recollection I, of fleets. I kind of remember it was like Twitter's like story feature, like like Instagram stories, uh, uh, yeah. which they ripped off of Snapchat. You know what I mean? So like it was kind of like that, as I recall. Um, so. Hey, tough scene. But we'll see what happens with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. Um, nobody Anyways, really Nathaniel Hackett's going to be a disaster. I don't care. The, the biggest thing on his resume is that he had a decent offense with Blake Bortles as the quarterback. And that's obviously not the thing you remember about that Jacksonville team. You remember the defense on that Jacksonville team, not the offense that was apparently Nathaniel Hackett led. It's wild how like the Jets have just been like kicked and kicked and kicked for the last like I don't know, like 90 days. And like, you would think that like the next thing, just because it's the off season would have to be some sort of like positive move. This like, is just a, another kick. Like it's just really uh, being a Jets fan has to be a very special experience. Um, okay, Steven, let's um, get to the conference championship games. But before we preview both of the games, we are going to do our pick three segment, which is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That is code SBNFL only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Steven, we're going to start with our locks of the week. Um, as mentioned, Brandon is not here, but we have gone ahead and given him the courtesy of locking up the Philadelphia Eagles for him. The Eagles are two and a half point favorites at home against the San Francisco 49ers in the NFC Championship game. That is the game that will be played first on Sunday afternoon. Um, so that is BLG. The Eagles, obviously, a very talented team. Um, you can go first here. Where do you want to go? The whole board is your smorgasbord. You can take any game, any team, whatever you want. Well, I I've been going back and forth about this and agonizing over this all week. And even early last week when it seemed like it was inevitable that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to play the Cincinnati Bengals in the AFC Championship game, I was like, I'm picking the Bengals. Like, you can't be 0-3 uh, against this team and, and have me side with you and, and think that you're going to overcome that at this point until you prove it to me. And then this week happened and I spent all week like combing over every aspect of the matchup and trying to dissect every bit of information I could. And basically what I came down to is despite all logic and all reasoning based on all of my research this week, I am going to side with the fact that I think Patrick Mahomes has a legendary playoff performance in him. I think Andy Reid, we're going to get the best of him this weekend because Patrick Mahomes is dealing with that ankle injury that is likely going to affect his mobility in some way. So I am taking the Kansas City Chiefs to win this game. Uh, 
as of right now on DraftKings, it, it's just a pick them. Like it, there's not even an over under spread for this game anymore. That might change later on in the afternoon, but I'm taking the chiefs to win this game. This has actually worked out against you because correct me if I'm wrong, the Bengals opened as two and a half point favorites. Is that correct? Uh, the chiefs opened as favorites initially, and, and then, then it swung all the way. And then Cincinnati swung to two and a half early wow. in the week. And then it was down to like a point, And now it's just a uh, pick. This game does feel like um, like an all timer. You know what I mean? Like it has some like epic feels and epic vibes going on. I haven't seen it or seen the score, but I saw the tweet from Arrowhead Pride. I believe the Madden simulation y'all ran was uh, rather intense. Um, at least um, that's the way that the tweet made it seem. Um, I hope we get a great game. Like last week was was a bit of a letdown. Like none of the games are like particularly riveting. Um, so I hope this is a, a barn burner, so to speak. Um, I do think it will be one, Stephen. I agree with you in every way, shape, or form. I think Patrick Mahomes will probably have a, a you know a sort of Herculean type of performance, but I just think that Joe Burrow has a bigger one in him. I have. It took me a lot longer to come around on the Bengals than a lot of people, and I think it was fair to kind of you know assume that their run last year was a bit Cinderella-y, and then the zero and two start really kind of you know casted a bigger shadow over all of that but the way they have dug in they don't care they are the ultimate like and i was talking to peter about this on monday like put us in a parking lot we will play whoever wherever whenever however like we will just win and it is so strange that like the model of stability in the nfl has become the cincinnati Bengals. i just would have never you talked about like the days that brett Favre traded the jets i could have never foreseen the Bengals being the team i was most jealous of as a dallas cowboys fan but here we are a big reason for that is joe burrow I think he really writes a different chapter in his career on Sunday afternoon. I'm taking the Bengals straight up. I don't blame you. I think Cincinnati is a better team. Like, I think they are the absolute better team in this game, top to bottom. And I, we, we have to just convince ourselves now, or at least admit that Zach Taylor is a good head coach, right? Like, cause we did that. We did this dance with him for a couple of years. Like, Ah, I don't, I don't see it. I feel like, you know, they hit on these draft picks and the talent and, you know, Joe Burrow looks like an assassin out there and it feels like he's kind of carrying Zach Taylor, but Zach Taylor has been lights out in the postseason the last two years. Like they outcoached the Buffalo bills last week and they dominated everywhere in that game. And so I have to admit, like I was not in on the Zach Taylor thing. And I think Zach Taylor is a good head coach and he's three and zero against Sandy Reed. So I, I have to just, I have to walk that back and admit that Zach Taylor is a, re- is really good at this. I agree with you entirely. Uh, before last season, I predicted him to be the first head coach fired. And obviously that has <laughs> aged incredibly poorly. My second choice was Mike Zimmer who did get fired when the season ended. So like, you know, not a total whiff in that sense, but um I mean, yeah, like, and now he's kind of become like, he's, he's developed like a, a character personality. You know what I mean? Like, like a year ago, it was just like, oh, he's the coach of the team who won the AFC. But like the, the whole like last month, like with their underdog mentality, you know, like fighting for the team on behalf of the coin toss, the way he takes the game balls to the local bars after uh, what was the line he had last week about like, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry to the, the logistical people who were coordinating the Atlanta <laughs> game. Like, I kind of like this. Like, I, I mean, no, nobody's going to outshine Joe Burrow in that sense on that team, but like he's fine. Like Andy Reid has a huge personality. Like I, I would say all of the other three coaches this weekend have massive personalities. Zach Taylor is finally narrowing that gap. Yeah, absolutely. And his, his staff is just incredible. Like that, oh, there, there's a case that the Bengals are the best coach team in football right now. Like they're, they're just that good. Um, we don't have any coaches. We're just flying solo here. Um, it is now time Steven to do our same game parlay. We are O in 19, I think, as a as a show. Um, we obviously didn't have one last week. Uh, we did have one um, that we um, k- kind of kept tabs on. It failed. Um, so <laughs> so the, the one that we would have had last week, actually, um, it's not like that would have panned out anyway. Um, you are kind of carrying us here, Stephen. You have picked the two legs. Again, Brandon not here right now. I have picked one leg. So I will go first. I am taking Hayden Hurst. Anytime touchdown score, he has been on fire this postseason. He is maybe Joe Burrow's favorite target, which is a weird thing to say because Jamar Chase and T. Higgins exist. Um, I recognize he had the little injury situation. I trust that. Plus 320. Give me Hayden Hurst in the end zone at any point on Sunday. I believe. What's interesting about the Hayden Hurst thing is that touchdown against the Bills last week was the first tight end touchdown that they've given up all year. Like their tight end defense has been spectacular. 
and that's uh, again that's another thing with the with Cincy and their coaching they totally schemed that touchdown up like they totally schemed up Hayden Hurst being open and being the read on that touchdown so yeah I, I think that's a good call and my selection for BLG um, oh, you're. Spe- I didn't even realize you're specifying this as BLG. So, like, if this oh, one yeah, misses, we can blame. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, this was because I I picked my leg, and then this gotcha. was the leg that I picked for him. Okay. But this is just kind of a, a feel, and I know AJ Brown's been a little bit banged up for the Eagles this week. Had a really quiet game last week, but they didn't need him to be right. AJ Brown. Like they ran all everywhere. They ran all over the place in that game. And that was enough to win that football game. But the 49ers run defense is elite. It has been elite all year. And the way that you can attack them and the way that you can try to beat that defense that has been spectacular all season is through the air. And so AJ Brown is going to have to have a a big role in this game. Devontae Smith is going to have to have a big role in this game. And, you know, after the quiet divisional round, I just really like AJ Brown to have a touchdown this week. So I got AJ Brown anytime touchdown for BLG at plus 155. And then on my end, Kansas City Chiefs defensive lineman Chris Jones, who's one of the finalists for the defensive player of the year, having an incredible season. Chris Jones is one of the best interior pass rushers in the NFL. When he is on, he is an absolute game wrecker. He is the most important player for the Kansas City Chiefs defense. He's now played in, I don't know, like 14 playoff games and does not have a playoff sack. Mm. And last season in the AFC Championship game, late in that game, he had what looked like a sure sack on Joe Burrow. And he wrapped him up and Burrow just made an incredible play and was able to escape and complete a pass for a first down. And it was a key moment in the game. Chris Jones has mentioned that multiple times, and I think he's finally going to get the playoff sack this week. So I'm going Chris Jones, one plus sack, minus 130. He's going to do it this week. He has to, for the Chiefs to win, Chris Jones has to have at least one sack in this game. So I think he's finally going to pull it off this week. Mm, I like that your picks align in that sense. Like You locked at the Chiefs, and you're presuming that a, a Chris Jones sack is necessary for that. I would kind of argue the same is true for mine, like picking the Bengals and Hayden Hurst to score a touchdown. And we have lined BLG up fairly similarly as well, with A.J. Brown scoring and the Eagles being two-and-a-half-point favorites. Okay, A.J. Brown anytime score, Hayden Hurst anytime score, Chris Jones, all he has to do is get a sack. That is the same game parlay brought to you by our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Okay, Stephen, the time has come. Um, I don't know how much previewing we can do of these games. I mean, like we've already kind of touched on them, obviously, uh, by way of the locks and the same game parlay. But we will start with the NFC Championship game. Um, I don't know that we're putting this episode up on YouTube. Um, It's definitely up on, obviously, the podcast network. Um, But if you can't see it, Stephen can. I brought up my mini helmets for this. I have a little mini helmet collection. (laughs) Uh, So uh, the NFC Championship game, the San Francisco 49ers visiting the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Philadelphia getting two and or sorry, giving two and a half points. Um, you said you picked the Eagles. You think they're the best team? You think they're the best team in the NFL? You think they're going to win? Like, how do you think this thing goes? It's so it, it's interesting because, and I, you can tell me if you feel this way too, but going into this game, or even going into last week, going into the playoffs in general for the Philadelphia Eagles, I understand like they had this downturn at the end of the season. They're missing their starting quarterback. So, like, obviously, that's a huge thing to overcome. 
but they also had a ton of other injuries on the defensive side of the ball this year. And I feel like everybody kind of forgot like how good this team was when they were peaking in the middle of the season and how dominant that roster looked. And so I feel like a lot of people are kind of sleeping on the Eagles because the 49ers are fun. I get it. The 49ers athletically are one of the most athletic teams, maybe skill position wise that I've ever seen. Like when Debo Samuel's healthy, when Brandon Ayuk is healthy, Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, like that collection of offensive talent, I think you would take over any collection of offensive talent, arguably in the NFL. They are spectacular. The 49ers pass rush and their defensive line is incredible. Another case to be made where you might take that defensive line over any defensive line in the NFL and they're on a great run right now. Brock Purdy's a great story. Rookie final pick in the draft. And he's turned this, had this miraculous run where it's like Trey Lance doesn't even exist anymore. The 49ers might as well just cut him and move on because it's the Brock Purdy show now. And I just feel like everybody is sleeping on the Eagles because for every case to be made about the 49ers having the best roster in football, you can make the exact same case for the Philadelphia Eagles. And so... I just feel like too many people are too high on the 49ers and overlooking the Eagles right now. I feel like Jalen Hurts is a gamer. He's going to step up in a big moment. I like A.J. Brown this week. I like Devontae Smith. I, I just think that they're going to be able to test this 49ers defense in a way that they haven't been tested in a while. And I, I'm willing to bet on Jalen Hurts stepping up in a big game and really having a huge showing in the NFC Championship game. So I have a lot of thoughts um, here, but before I do, I just want to read you a tweet I saw and ask if it changes your opinion. Um, on Friday, um, this tweet came out uh, from Seamus Clancy, friend of, of BGN. The Eagles were warming up to hire by Creed. Is that uh, just your um, your confidence levels in them at all? Yeah. <laughs> um... I'm going to assume that's a Nick Sirianni thing. Um, or <laughs> How could maybe, you not? Yeah. Maybe, maybe Jason Kelsey. I could see Jason Kelsey being really into Creed for whatever reason. Um, there's no way the players on that team were confused <laughs> about Creed. <laughs> there's absolutely no chance. So I agree. I think um, Nick Sirianni is that guy. Like you see him yelling and, and being kind of, kind of corny and gimmicky and stuff. So I, it doesn't change my opinion. I still think the Eagles are the best team in this game. Um, so I'm going to say something that is going to annoy me greatly. I think the Eagles have been not very good, but elite at responding to call it adversity, stumbles, whatever. Um, you, I think you remember after they lost, um, to the commanders that week on Monday night football, the next week I came in here and talked about like historically how, how the last undefeated team had done, you know, for the last like 10 years or so after their first loss and how they had done, you know, as favorites and things like that against the spread, whatever. And generally speaking, it had not gone well for them. I think a lot of people remember last year's Cardinals or two years ago's Steelers is kind of like the prime examples of those sorts of things. But to your point, like the Eagles kind of got stronger after they lost to the commanders. Um, the Jalen Hurts injury kind of like took some air out of the balloon, right? And obviously deflated his MVP case. Um, but they they kind of dealt with like this perfect storm of like crap as that happened. So he gets hurt. And just for like a, from like a timeline perspective, they go down to Dallas and Avante Maddox gets hurt in that game. They lose him. Lane Johnson gets hurt. So like it all happened like all at once. And then the next week when they lost to New Orleans was when Josh Sweat got injured. And so like they're losing players left and right. And they're they're actually losing games, which I do think contributed to the like you know, adjustment of them in your narrative, not you specifically. Um, and they rebounded. And I was very interested to watch them a week ago uh, because the only game they had looked moderately well in, or at least won, was the week 18 game against the Giants that rested everybody. And so yeah. I'm still kind of like not out as a jury member, but it's like, okay, the two teams, two games you've won since like looking infallible were against this Giants team who we all thought were somewhat of frauds all season long. Um, I definitely think there's more than enough reason to trust them and to believe in them, obviously, to have them be the favorite team uh, in this particular game. Um, I'm obviously biased against the Eagles, and I'm biased in that my team just got waxed by this Niners team. I mean, the Cowboys lost by seven. I don't think it was that close. I mean, like, you yeah. watched that game. Like, did it feel like Dallas offensively was seven points behind the Niners? No. no. I mean, and so, like, I know people are going to, like, get their jokes off, but the Niners did stifle an offense that we saw blow up six days before. So yeah. I do kind of trust D'Amico Ryans to do that again. I mean, Nick Bosa, you like – 
I think the AJ Brown pick for Brandon is great. Nick Bosa had a relatively quiet game, like for his standards. He's the front yeah. runner, obviously, for defensive player of the year. I could see that like being the case. Like he didn't have a big game. Debo didn't have a big game. Brandon Ayuk didn't have a big game. Like I think all the pieces that got a little bit more controlled by Dan Quinn and his mighty Cowboys defense, not that Philly is shy on defensive talent. I, I could see them kind of like having their big time moments that they didn't get a week ago. Yeah. And that that makes sense and yeah i I think that's that could totally be the case like i I hope this game is a shootout and and i hope like it's fully on display like the talent on both sides of the ball for both of these teams i just i I feel like the party stuff too is getting out of hand like i understand like circumstantially he is playing incredible and you've gotten way more than you ever could have hoped out of a seventh round rookie quarterback who it ha- really had no business starting. And this is just the circumstance that they found themselves in. Like I haven't been super impressed with Brock Purdy throughout the postseason. He's made big time plays and, and, you know, made the throws he needs to make in certain moments, but it's also like, you know, against Seattle where the first half was really close and the 49ers weren't really playing that mm-hmm. well. Then they kind of came alive in the second half. Well, it's a five yard pass to Debo Samuel that he took for 74 yards because right. he's a alien freak of nature athlete. But that, like, that alien is still there this week. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that, like, I agree with you completely, but like the aliens are all there. Like Debo's there. Kittle's Kittle finally kind of woke up last week too. Like it's a team of aliens. Like that's yeah. the problem is that you don't need an alien at quarterback when he has them everywhere else. I also think that there is, enough on kyle shanahan's past history to like worry about his decision making and clock management in a game like this where i feel like you can bet on nick sirianni and the eagles being aggressive and four down situations where you're at on the field situationally and like whether or not it makes sense to we need to pick up this fourth and two to keep this drive alive and go for seven as opposed to settling for three where like we know kyle shanahan is always going to settle for three. Like he is always going to settle for three because he doesn't like pushing the envelope. He doesn't like, you know, putting himself in a situation where he turns the football over because he goes for it on a fourth down or something like that. And so he just never does it. And I think you have to have some of that aggressive nature in a game like this, where it's these two teams, I think are pretty evenly matched. And yeah, when we're talking about alien NFL superstars, the 49ers are probably a little bit more alien than the Eagles are. But the Eagles are pretty terrestrial themselves. So wow, like, out of line. I, I mean, I, I think that it's going to be a really even matchup between both sides uh, of of this game. Then it's going to come down to Nick Sirianni and Kyle Shanahan and who can win the chess match. A different Kyle. Um, our friend Kyle Posey tweeted this out. Um, I don't, is that your watch or your thing? Is that That's your fine. device? Is that my device? I think I think I said Nick Sirianni, and I thought I said Siri. That's oh, okay. You can leave that in if you want. Um, I think it's funny. But uh, so uh, Kyle Posey tweeted this out on Thursday, um, looking at how the defenses that the Eagles have played over the last um, kind of two months have ranked in different respects. Um, these are their DVOA. So these are the defensive DVOA rankings of the defenses that the Eagles have played. Um, I'll start with that Cowboys game. Actually, we'll go back one more week. The game Jalen Hurts was injured. Uh, the Bears ranked 32nd in defensive DVOA. The Cowboys were 16th, so a big bump. The Saints were first, and obviously, you know, the Eagles lost those two games. The Giants, uh, back-to-back games for them in the Week 18 finale in the divisional round were 29th. Um, the San Francisco 49ers are second in defensive DVOA. This is, you know, this and like I, I, I hate to say this, and this is my closing thought on it. If the Eagles win this game, like this is maybe the most like satisfying type of season that you can have as a football fan. Like I saw like all of their people like won all the PFWA like awards, right? Like Jalen Hurts was like named like best quarterback or MVP. Nick Sirianni got coach of the year, high Roseman executive of the year. Like it is literally like a Madden simulation where you go like undefeated and like sweep every single thing. And so if you wax what everyone believes to be is the best roster in the NFL at home to celebrate a trip to the Super Bowl, like you enjoy to rub it in everybody's face. Yeah, it's based on the questions that they had last season and like the Nick Sirianni opening press conference and everybody last season being like, you can't win with Jalen Hurts. Like you, you gave him everything and like he, he's just not good enough. And then to ascend to this level within a year where they basically nailed every offseason move, like 
as a fan, that's all you can ask for. That's extremely satisfying if you're an Eagles fan. Um, okay. You have said that you're picking the Eagles to win. I'm going to pick the Niners. Uh, I have no problem admitting that I'm biased. Um, I, I, I want to ask you one question before we move to the AFC title game. This is um, We've had this experience before uh, for Cowboys fans when the Eagles and Patriots met in the Super Bowl. The Patriots at the time only had five titles. The Cowboys obviously have five. So the, uh, Michael Irvin very, very famously said that he was rooting for the Eagles because he did not want to see the Patriots pass the Cowboys in title count. Um, our logic was like they could always pass them back. Like, <laughs> like, like yeah. if, but if the, if the Eagles win a title, like that's forever. So like you definitely don't want to like see them win one, which they obviously did. And then New England won another one anyway the next year. Um, so that being the case, uh, this is a similar plight for Cowboys fans. Do they want to see San Francisco get a sixth and beat that? Be you know that would they would be the third team to six actually because New England and Pittsburgh are both there. Um, and and but there are some Cowboys fans rooting for Philly from that perspective. My thought, my question is, what do you think of that? Um, as somebody who isn't a diehard fan of any single NFL team, I don't think you should care about things like that. I think you should just uh, want your team to win. And I, I mean, this is the situation that you find yourselves in. So, I mean, the the best thing you could hope for is whoever wins this game loses the Super Bowl, I guess. But it doesn't really make a difference to me overall uh, Super Bowl count. Um, I am rooting for the Niners. I've picked them to win. If they do win, I hope they lose the Super Bowl, regardless of who they face. But I think that they are <laughs> going to be facing the Cincinnati Bengals. Time for the mini helmets, Stephen. <laughs> Bengals, Chiefs in the AFC Championship game. As you mentioned, it is a straight pick em as of the moment that we are recording this. Um, so just who do you think is going to win? You think it's going to be the Chiefs. I think it's going to be the Bengals. I'll start first here. Um, fair or not, some people would say like it's absolutely fair. This is a legacy game for Mahomes. If you, you really want to be the king, like you really want to be Brady, you want to be like the guy, the Michael Jordan, whatever, you cannot lose this game. You cannot have it, – it's stupid to blame this or to bring this up, but like you cannot have a below 500 record in AFC championship games, which would be the case here. And I recognize that could ultimately one day be surpassed, kind of like the Cowboys-Patriots thing. Um, and it's stupid that this is number five for Patrick Mahomes, so like he's already able to be like – below or above 500 with this many games played but whatever but nobody will care about that like like nobody will care about the cool cute little like what used to be undefeated in september like never thrown an incompletion in the third quarter in a divisional round playoff game blah 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 nobody will care about that if you lose this game it's now not just like you lost to the goat tom brady whatever it is now there's somebody there is a team there is a, an adversary and a quarterback who owns you is that fair it's not fair, but it's 100% accurate. Like, it is a legacy matchup. It's it, Patrick Mahomes has never not been in an AFC championship game as a starter in the NFL, which is ridiculous, which is, which is an unprecedented run to start your NFL career. Like, that. that's absurd. But you can't go 0-4 against a single team. You can't see that same team two years in a row in the AFC championship game and lose to them both times. And I, I think it's even unfair that all of a sudden that means Joe Burrow has somehow surpassed him in some people's eyes because Joe Burrow is excellent. Like he is an incredible NFL quarterback. He's not better than Patrick Mahomes in my mind, but if he goes four and zero over Patrick Mahomes, even if Burrow goes to another Super Bowl and loses another one again, the conversation still going to be all offseason, Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes, who's the number one quarterback in the NFL. And there's going to be people just like there were last year that make the, the case for Burrow because of these games. And that's why I'm picking the Kansas City Chiefs, because despite all logic, I think the Bengals are a better team top to bottom. They're much they're much better on defense than the Chiefs are. The Chiefs are wildly inconsistent on on that side of the ball. Um and offensively, their skill position players are better than the Chiefs' skill position players outside of Travis Kelsey, like right. significantly better and significantly more reliable than the Chiefs' skill position players. And then you factor in Patrick Mahomes' ankle injury and how that's going to affect his mobility and the fact that the Bengals drop eight into coverage and they intentionally want you to hold on to the football so their pass rush can get there because their pass rush is good, but it's not like a bunch of super elite dudes. They're effort guys that need the extra time to get there. And like, but all of that being said, Patrick Mahomes is that, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant type of insane psycho competitor. And he knows all of that. And 
it's just been such a bad bet to bet against Patrick Mahomes against every team except for the Cincinnati Bengals. I just have to believe, and I am totally talking myself into Patrick Mahomes is just going to have a legend performance because he is not going to sit back and let Joe Burrow take his crown from him. And that's really the only logical explanation that I have for why I'm picking the chiefs in this game, because they're not the better football team. And anybody who says that they are is just, they're just lying to themselves because they're a chiefs fan. Is it fair to say that with regards to Sunday's game specifically, Joe Burrow is the better quarterback, like the better court, like as far as their capabilities on Sunday afternoon, Joe Burrow is the better player. Their physical capabilities to be very yeah. clear. Yeah, yeah. Because Burrow, so Burrow doesn't run really, but he's done more of that, like over the last couple of months of the season. And that was something he didn't really do before. And I think that's something that's helped him get out of sacks. Whereas like he mm-hmm. used to just eat the sack, eat the sack, eat the sack. Don't turn it over. And now he started to kind of take off a little bit and occasionally Burrow bust off a 15 yard run. And so I'm not sure that Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to do that. Like I know he's been fully practicing this week and the chiefs are downplaying it with like they should, in my opinion, but there's no way you can suffer a high ankle sprain. And then the very next week be a hundred percent. Like we're not, right. we're not stupid. There's no way Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is a hundred percent in this game. Um, I think like the worst case scenario for chiefs fans um is Bengals win this game, obviously, and then Bengals beat the Niners specifically in the Super Bowl because then it's like that. Then you can really kind of like com- you, you mentioned Kobe and MJ, like you know those like graphics people make of like they have all the like Larry O'Brien trophies and the, like the Bill Russell trophies and like it's like whose trophy stack is greater. Now it's like they both beat the Niners in the Super Bowl. They both lost the Super Bowl, so it becomes like a matter of like head to head, and like Burrow would own him. Like it's it's not just like oh he he's one and zero. It's like no 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 he's four and zero. He's two and zero in AFC title games, and both of those games happening at arrowhead right and the second one of which you could argue shouldn't have even happened at arrowhead right like all those things become louder the mj and kobe comparisons become smaller you know what i'm saying because people will be like you can't compare him like and i do think contextually speaking if the chiefs lose this game even if they lose the super bowl this this like beginning is a bit of a failure like you can't go to five straight afc title games and have one super bowl to show for it like you're closer People like, and you know this, people like were so quick to, you know, compare Mahomes and, and the Chiefs to the, the Brady Patriots, but you're closer to the 90s Bills than you are to the 2000s Patriots if that's ultimately what happens. Yeah. And Mahomes is going to be blamed for that because he's the franchise quarterback, right. though. Like, uh, I think it, it's it's totally fair to question some of the decisions the Chiefs have made and some of the free agent moves that they've made and some of the draft picks that they've made. Like, taking McCole Hardman with DK Metcalf still on the board. Like uh, Brett Veach's first year as a general manager was one of the worst draft classes that I've ever seen on paper. And he's bounced back and drafted some players and things like that. But I think the difference with the chiefs compared to even a team like the Bengals, which, you know, this off season, Cincinnati's going to have to start making some decisions moving forward. Cause Higgins chase right. Burrow, like all on rookie deals, and they're not going to be able to keep the core of that team together in all likelihood for a long time. If those guys want to go get paid in the way wide receivers are getting paid right now, like T Higgins is going to come up for contract before Jamar chase does. And T Higgins can go get himself a 20 plus million dollar a year contract from anywhere else in the NFL, probably. So with the chiefs, it's just like Mahomes is always going to keep the window open, but yeah, man, like five straight AFC championships games, you only get to two Super Bowls. You win one of them. You get absolutely dominated in the other one because your offensive line fell apart. And yeah, it, it changes the perception of the conversation that we're having around him as a player. And it's going to start leaning into, well, is Mahomes just Aaron Rodgers now? Or is mm. if Joe Burrow wins this year, is Joe Burrow now Tom Brady? And Patrick Mahomes is Peyton Manning. Yeah. And he's going to have to deal with Burrow every year. And Burrow's going to be the guy that, that wins in the critical moments and he always comes up short despite all of his athletic ability and all of his arm talent and all of that stuff. And I'm not looking forward to any of that this offseason. I don't want that to happen. So I want the chiefs to win on Sunday. Um, 
it is a very fascinating thing how games like this could swing the pendulum. My last question, because we've both already picked this game. Who is the the player whose name we haven't said yet this episode that you think has an important role or could have an important moment? I mentioned this on Monday. I'm going to go with it again. Trey Hendrickson to me. Like, we, we talk so much about the Bengals offense, but you're right. Like, the Bengals defense doesn't get enough credit. And Trey Hendrickson, you can kind of feel like you can almost like pencil him in for like a big time play, right? Like, obviously, but I remember it's the play, but like you can almost like in, involve him in some play that's going to make a difference uh, in a positive way for the Bengals. That is my answer. So I want to name a couple of here <laughs> players here. Um, Isaiah Pacheco. Oh. Uh, you know, I could see this being like the Kadarius Tony game. Like, and it's then it's yeah. like, of course, this is why they traded for him. I could totally see. So that. you need those guys to step up. And there's been a lot of talk about the Chiefs trying to run the ball more and Isaiah Pacheco and whatever. Like, all all that's fine. I, I'm not a huge Isaiah Pacheco diehard. I think he's a fine player. I don't think he's like a superstar or anything. But I think it comes down to. Chiefs linebacker Nick Bolton is going to be huge in this game. And Nick Bolton, there's this conversation all year, and it's bad amongst Chiefs Twitter and stuff like that about whether or not Nick Bolton's actually a good player or whether or not he sucks. And it's somewhere in between. Like, I think Nick Bolton is a good NFL linebacker. Nick Bolton's not an elite NFL linebacker. But, like, when we're talking about elite, like, what are we comparing him to? Bobby Wagner or Fred Warner? Like, like Bobby Wagner is a legend and was the best linebacker in football for a decade. And Fred Warner is another one of those aliens that the 49ers seem to always be able to find. Like Nick Bolton is a fine player. The big thing here is that Nick Bolton, his big issue is that he's not an Uber athletic linebacker. He's a solid tackling linebacker who can make big plays for you when you keep him around the line of scrimmage. The big issue is that he has trouble getting off of blocks as well. And that's going to be huge in this game because Cincinnati is going to try to be more physical than you. They're going to Mm -hmm. try to push you around the way that they did the bills last week. And in the first matchup, when they played the chiefs in the regular season, Joe Mixon wasn't even in that game. It was Samaj P Ryan and Samaj P Ryan was just ripping off seven yards of carry. And that's going to be devastating to the chiefs defensively. If they allow that to happen again, and Nick Bolton's going to be the answer for that because he was awful in their regular season matchup. So he's got to step up and he has to have a big game. I also kind of kind of sneaky here. I think Carlos Dunlap is going to be really important for the Chiefs in this game. Former Cincinnati Bengal, Dunlap's been quietly like getting a few more snaps here and there as it's gotten later in the season and he's been playing well. He's been making impact plays for them. So like the Chiefs pass rush all starts with Chris Jones and then but they have four guys that they like to rotate there with Dunlap, George Karloftis, uh, Mike Dana, and Frank Clark. And I think Carlos Dunlap is going to wind up having a huge uh, role here. And Carlos Dunlap has talked about, like, for all the years he was with Cincinnati, he had no playoff success. And so this is the first time in his career he's, like, he's won a playoff game. And so now with a trip to the Super Bowl on the line, I feel like his veteran presence wanting to beat Cincinnati – I feel like that all that's going to play into the game. So I think Carlos Dunlap is a guy who could wind up having a huge role on Sunday. Okay. You named a bunch. Um, I mean, I could have gone like T like, I think T Higgins is important. I did kind of yeah. effectively named Hayden Hurst. Um, Evan McPherson has not had like the same, you know, wonderful season that he had a year ago. Like th- this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm happy. This is the second game. Um, just cause I feel like it's going to be the more dramatic one. Like I wouldn't be, sh- um, I was going to say stunned and shocked at the same time. So I was going to say, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, I wouldn't be shocked, I guess if the NFC title game is a blowout, like even one way, like I, I could be, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Philly blew out San Francisco and I wouldn't be stunned if San Francisco managed to just completely shut down the Eagles. So we will see uh, to use the powerful mini helmets, Steven, this is my Super Bowl pick. I have gone Niners Bengals, which is obviously a throwback back to the eighties. And you have gone Eagles chiefs, which would be the Andy Reed bowl. That would be all the, con- actually either way you win. There's going to be all sorts of content for you at Arrowhead of pride. If the chiefs win or lose, uh, especially if it is a rematch between the Chiefs and the Niners. Like, there's potentially two legacy games in a row for Patrick Mahomes. So we'll see how they go. Uh, last thing before we get out of here, um, I have sent you a tweet. This was all over the place um, on social media on Thursday. Um, people, if, if you haven't seen it, um, loyal listener, uh, it was seven pens that were tweeted. And it was like a photo of seven pens asking which one you use to write with primarily. They all have different, like, kind of intensity um when it comes to like the way the font or the like ink comes out so what is your pen of choice uh based on this photo steven i'm a number five guy um i 
it's the the rubber grip is key the click mm-hmm. is key for me i don't like pens with caps i need Agreed. a click i like the uh, um if it's a casual sort of thing like if i'm taking notes on something i like the ink flow of number seven but i'm with you i don't want the cap i don't want to lose it and you know what's even worse about number seven you take the cap off you put the pen down it's going to roll it does you know what yeah. i mean like it doesn't like the yeah. the, the like clip helps prevent the rolling i don't need that like on my desk or whatever i'm working on so it's but the one and two nobody's ever used one and two outside of like elementary school right like no adults are using those pens i'm with you on number five but like that is a heavy flow um of ink you know what i mean like i'm i'm kind of inclined to go number three just because like those gel pens you know you leave your pen in one spot and you have this big like blob nobody wants it yeah number three i think would be my number two option Mm. okay so five for both of us but three is a secondary option uh we will find out which teams are going to be playing in the super bowl 57 um in just a few days pretty exciting stuff and then we get to do all the like uh super bowl cliche stuff commercials food etc etc there's going to be some movie trailers dropping obviously during the big game you know how that goes um anything else you want to say Stephen? before we get out of here uh let's get the andy reed bowl Let's let's do it. Let's uh, let's achieve all of our dreams this weekend. Cash all of our bets and watch Andy Reid beat his former team in the Super Bowl. As we leave, because um, that was kind of a lame thing. I mean, that wasn't cool. Uh, I would like you to tell us something that you promise. I asked Brandon this on the mixtape recently. Something you promise to eat. It can be you're going to go to a restaurant. You're going to make it. You're going to buy it. Fast food. Something you promise to eat before the weekend is over. Um, what am I going to make tonight? I am making like, it's like salmon Cajun bites with, uh, cucumber and rice and like wasabi. Yeah. What a Friday night in the Serta household. All right. Uh, everything everywhere all at once. Check it out people. Um, even though I haven't yet, Steven, the final word belongs to you and then get us out. Chiefs by three. All right. Come with me.